in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? Oh, Major League Baseball. Oh, what the greatest in-season rule change they've ever finally had. finally exciting to watch oh, now. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we had two great instances last night of pitchers being checked for foreign substances. Sergio Romo, who is a reliever for the Las Vegas A's, uh, as he's walking off to get checked by the umpires, throws his glove and hat down and then takes off his pants. Yeah, rips off his belt I mean, and drops his pants. Pulls him down to his knees. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> it was great. Because umpire, the umpires are checking. Gloves, under the belt. Hats, and then they want to see underneath under the belt. The, the yeah. belt. Yeah. And so Romo took the belt off, yeah. threw it on the ground, and pulled, pulled his, down pants his pants down to his knees. Phenomenal. And then Max Scherzer. So sure, the Nationals playing the Phillies. And Scherzer. So starting pitcher is supposed to get checked twice a game, right? And right. so far, we've seen pretty much every starter has been checked after the first inning. And, and then the third. There's another time in the game. So Scherzer checks after the first. Scherzer's checked after the third. In the fourth inning of the game, Joe Girardi, the manager of the Phillies, asks the umpires in the middle of the inning to go check Max Scherzer. And he's allowed to do that. You're allowed to say, hey, go check that guy. I think he's cheating. Scherzer's got nothing. And it leads to these two staring each other down, yelling at each other. Girardi ultimately gets ejected because he's staring him down and like leaves the dugout like he's going to go fight Max Scherzer. This is the greatest thing baseball has ever done. I think I take Scherzer in that fight, but Girardi's kind of a scrapper. I right. don't know. Girardi's he's old. Like, what's no, old? No, no, but he's, he came out of that dugout, and I'm like, okay. eh. I, I mean, Scherzer's a bigger guy. Okay, let me ask you two things. One, I said before the show, I'm, I'm never going to uh, you know, feel bad about umpires or everything, but they're kind of doing what they've been told. Like, the, It's the edict from Manfred's office. You check these guys. So it's like the third base umpire who's checking, um, who is checking Sergio Romo. You can see his lips going... Please don't do this. I, 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 they've told me to do this. What are you going to do? Now, let me ask you this, because baseball is long enough. I'm sorry. If you check a guy after the first 30 innings, I don't think the manager should have power to say check him again. If this is going to go. Oh, it's I mean, going to be I, so good. I, I love the fact that they're taking off their clothes. Like I said, Bauer will strip today. But if you check the guy after the first third, that probably should be it. If you're telling me Dave Roberts every night between every game, check him, check him, check him. It's going to make the games even longer than they already are. So far, when they've checked him after an inning, there's been no added length of the game. It's just during the commercial break. But during games? But during like, the inning is, no. is interesting. And it's, yeah, it, it is. Because, I mean, right now. If you want to be a jerk about it, you, then every inning you'll do it. Let's guy say pitches seven innings. Every inning during right. the inning, you're going to say check him? Come on. Yeah, so I'm. I'll, we'll see what they have to do about that. After the inning, it, it doesn't, it's whatever. He's just walking off to give the umpire your glove. But that's not a big deal to me. But, yeah, if you're going to. Hey, stop the game, walk yeah, out there to the mound and check Scherzer while he's got one out and a runner on first and the fourth. Yeah, that's kind of crap you've judged already. But I here's what I think. I don't think many managers are going to do it. 
like i think i like dusty mm. baker said he was asked are you gonna ask umpires to check and he said no like i'm they're gonna check no i don't need to so i did, think more um, more managers are gonna to say hit better yeah well <laughs> did you take scherzer's this is nothing did you just take scherzer's scherzer's an admittance of of course i do this i have to do it when his his quotes after the game were how difficult it was to grip the ball. And one of his quotes was, I almost hit someone in the head. He goes, I had no feel for the ball. I almost hit someone in the head. Sure, like, is that not. him just saying, yes. I have to do this because I'm a cheater? It Max was hilarious. Scherzer like, not that, that bad quote at doesn't really say that you're clean. Yeah, I mean, Max it's like, Scherzer is not that bad at pitching, that he can't not hit somebody in the head. He's a good pitcher. He's one of the best pitchers in the sport. If he was cheating, okay, cool. You can still throw it without hitting a guy in the face. What if every time Kershaw pitches now, the opposing number, uh, manager says, check nothing but the hat? Just the hat. Just that. Not we don't care gloves. about the belt. We don't care about his glove. Tur and not only check that, just have him turn around on the mound right. to see the hat. That's right. You don't have to check it. Just, <laughs> hey, Clayton. Turn, turn around. We want to see the back of that oh, hat. Oh, it's a new one. Okay, you're good. Uh, I just, all I want is... Somebody to put a just absurd amount of pine tar like on their neck, like like back in yeah. the day, like they used yeah, to. Yeah, back it, in the day when their whole neck was full of pine tar. Yeah. Who was it for the Yankees that? Oh, where it just was like, yeah, that's a birthmark, huh? <laughs> he was. He was. Was it? Was it? Uh, Pineda? I. I Not I think, sure. I don't remember. But anyways, just a big glob of black yeah. stuff on his neck. And the umpire comes out and like actually put his finger and felt it. And I was like, dude, we can see it. You know, we like you don't have to touch it. Like, uh, yeah, you actually got ejected. He's got a glob, a big black rectangle I mean, on his neck. That is not my hat, my belt, <laughs> <laughs> or my glove. I mean, we're four, two or three days into this, and we've already had this. Will be nightly hilarity because the pitchers eventually are just going to do stupid things. They're going to get so pissed at it. They're like, eh, you know what I'm ready for. Guy's got a no hitter, ninth inning after Ooh. after every first out. Check him, second yeah. Oh man, this is gonna. Be I great. am literally ready Mike, for that. Might piss for, him off so much that he pitches better. For Trevor Bauer to run to the mound in San Diego tonight with no pants on, <laughs> I pitch with just like his uh, his uh, undergarments out there. It'd be it'd be hilarious. Instead of a baseball hat, he's got one with like a little propeller on yeah, top. Yeah, propeller. No no glove. And just like, it would be great. He's not wearing a belt, so every time I, he like winds up, his pants fall down. No Golden Knights tonight, so I'll watch every pitch, and I'm watching every pitch, not because I love them so much, but I just want to see Bauer react. Because he's, now maybe he'll do nothing, but is it possible for Trevor Bauer to do nothing? I don't know. I don't know if it's within yeah. him to he's, do or say nothing in these instances. He'll, he'll take the mound with just his own T-shirt that he sells that says legalized pine <laughs> yes. tar. That'll, on, that'll the be the on the back, like the, the address you can order them. Yeah, that'll be the only thing he wears. <laughs> I don't care about him. Next question. The Detroit Pistons won the NBA draft lottery. Kate Cunningham from Oklahoma State is expected to be the number one pick. Can you name a Piston? No. I don't think I can. Sadiq Bay is the only one I could think of while watching Ben Wallace celebrate, and he's their rookie that was had a yeah. pretty good season. Um, outside of that, Blake Griffin did play for them. Well, this I year. could have named him. <laughs> Reggie but Jackson's not still on that team. Bill Lambeer. Bill Lambeer. I, I mean, Lambeer. I, don't, I mean, oh, uh, Grant. Jeremiah Grant. I think he was their leading scorer this year. Two Pistons. Well, two and a half because Blake Griffin played there. I can name Kate Cunningham. What? <laughs> it felt bad for Kate Cunningham. I don't want to go to Detroit. I. I don't. Detroit. Everyone I know who's ever lived in Detroit has left Detroit yes. and won't stop talking yeah. about the fact that oh, well, in Detroit we used to do Clay. It this way. Clay had more stories than that than anybody's from and there, it, and it like he said, "You don't live there; you live outside the town." How many uh, Pistons can Clay Baker name? Probably current? one, two. He's a pretty big fan. He's a pretty big fan okay. of the Detroit teams. Yeah, 
he would go back and name like days of the of the Red Wings were like you know he's back in the Gallant days naming guys. I'm like wow. So he could probably name more than two. Um, but he he was like what Jared said. He's like eh, Detroit. He's like eh, that's not good. Next question. So this is an interesting story uh, about NHL referees and not how bad they've actually been in the playoffs. But Wes McCauley, who is probably the most popular referee in the NHL, he's the one that yells very funny uh, when he gets on the mic to announce penalties and goals. He has not refed any of the games in uh, this third round, despite being one of the referees that was named as a possible referee in the third round. Mark Spector wrote a story for Sportsnet about Wes McCauley and basically said that he's not going to ref any of the games the rest of this round, and he's not likely to ref any of the games in the Stanley Cup final. And he had this line, the league is still holding out hope that he can return for the Stanley Cup final. So did Wes McCauley dec- like decline officiating games in the NHL playoffs like what like yeah. that makes it imply that he can return that yeah. Wes McCauley is the one making the decision to not ref any of these games it insinuates that and says uh it's not I think in here it's he's not believed to be injured injured kind of encompasses a lot of things I don't I I don't know Wes McCauley I wouldn't know what his family situation is I don't know if something happened I have no clue but it does insinuate he's making the decision right and I mean have you seen the officiating in the NHL plus? Obviously, they want this guy out there. He's like their best official. No, we don't want Wes because the other guys are doing such a great job. So I assume something's in his personal life or there's something going on with him that he just doesn't want to ref right now. Stupid question, but it's are, are NHL refs like full time or is it like the NFL where it's like he's a lawyer Monday through Saturday and on Sundays uh, he tells us whether or not someone scored a safety. Well, they get oh. it. They get paid like it's a full-time job. They might have another job. Yeah, they the could. Side. During the offseason, okay. I'm sure they can do whatever they want. But, yeah, but they get paid like it's a full-time yeah. job. I mean, so do NFL officials. It's just a short season. So yeah. they're going to have a business on the side yeah. because uh, I, I'd just sit around and do nothing for eight months of <laughs> the year if I was an NFL ref. But uh, they want to have a job. Official Tyler Bischoff has not read the rules. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry. Um I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. About the biggest contribution Mark Stone's done. I was going to say, it's so. yeah. the best thing Mark Stone's done in a while. I, I got you. Don't worry about it. Um, how much do you care about uh, Major League debuts of top prospects? Oh, the Dodger fan shakes his head. I mean, Gavin Lux, I remember when he came up for the first time, he was walking through an airport with all his bats. And they had a videographer there. Oh, how many bats did he? Have? Oh, he must have had ten. It was hilarious. <laughs> the, big, it, the Dodgers didn't have any well, to carry his bats and yet. The fun, and the funny thing was, I was like, "Did you check those? Looks like you just walked off the plane with them. I don't think you can walk on planes nowadays with like ten bats. That'd, so, that'd be a little worrisome." Wander Franco made his debut for the Tampa Bay Rays. He is one of the uh, highest touted prospects in Major League Baseball. 20 years old. Oh, what was the, he's the first uh, player to play in major league baseball that was born in the year 2001. Um, Started yesterday for the Rays at third base. Uh, He ended up hitting a home run. His first career major league hit was a home run. What I thought was funny though, was that his first at bat of the game, he fell behind Oh two and then walked on four straight balls after Oh two. And people were pumped. They were like, look at this plate disappearing from Wander Franco. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's good that he walked after going down 0-2, but 
He's not like the number one prospect in baseball because he walked on his first at bat. I mean, that and there's really doing some deep dive search in the first since 2001. Like, <laughs> my daughter was born in 2001 also. So Why I'm isn't like, she in Major League Baseball? What's she I don't doing? know. I don't know what she's doing. I have to go home and ask her this morning when she wakes up. What the hell are you doing? Uh, that's a weird stat. The first she's since 2001. on egg. Do they? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. She's talking. She's talking about my back. Um I, don't know, I think that's a little. A I guess player. do we get that every year? Like first since 2020. I think that's just a weird stat. Yeah, well, it's he's, it's just to point I mean, out <laughs> a that he's young. Yes, and b that Major League Baseball doesn't call guys up until they're 25. Maybe that's it. I don't know. <laughs> like every other sport, guys Good for play Wander when they're Franco, like 20. But... Like every sport we have, except like the NFL, guys play when they're 20, I mean, but not in baseball. I'm more impressed that he hit the home run than he was born in 2001. Like I'm like, yeah, you hit a home run, your major league debut. Good for you. All right. We got tickets to go see Brad Paisley. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Brad Paisley at Win Las Vegas, the acoustic storyteller shows. Winner's going to get two tickets to his show on Saturday, June 26th. So just a few days away. <clears throat> Saturday, June 26th, Brad Paisley, Win Las Vegas. We will take caller number 10 at 702-364-1100. That's 702 702- Three six four eleven hundred. If you want to go see Brad Paisley at Win Las Vegas, they're not hidden. They're not hidden. This this young man is a is a force for good. What he has done today, he there is a young person. There is a young person watching him right now, who has walked to school lighter, even if they have disclosed nothing about themselves. They have walked to school with a greater sense of hope today because of this young man. That is a good thing. That is a good thing. As for stirring the pot, the pot is not stirred. My day is a cacophony of insults, racist abuse, homophobic abuse. That is my day. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is block 20 people who have said something reprehensible. There is nothing hidden about this. Misogyny is open, wide open. Sexism, wide open. Racism, wide open. Xenophobia, ignorance as a character trait, wide open. But today, an NFL player has made at least one child feel hope. This is good. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. That was John Amici on the Dan Levitard show talking about Carl Nassib, the Raiders defensive end, who is the first active NFL player to come out as gay. What I thought was a fun story yesterday. And I maybe we should have predicted this. Maybe not this quickly, though. But uh, that Carl Nassib's jersey was the highest selling jersey on Fanatics in the 24 hours after he came out. Like, I think we... We probably could have predicted Carl Nassib would have sold more jerseys, but I don't know that we could have guessed that it would happen that quickly. Well, it goes to exactly what you and I were saying yesterday is he's going to affect a ton of people he'll never meet. Right. And that was a group. Amici was right. There was a kid who walked to school yesterday that no one knows uh, and no one might know he is gay uh, or or she is gay. And they felt a little better because someone in the NFL, you know, came out as gay and said it's okay to do this. So, yeah, I mean – I, look, yeah, 24 hours later, it's kind of surprising given who usually uh, is the top of the list of fanatics and jersey sales. We all know the, like, the famous, yeah, the famous, famous names. It's that not Carl Nassib. No, it's yeah. not Carl Nassib. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, 
it happened a little faster than I thought it would be. I don't even know. I, I've got to be honest. I don't even know if I ever thought he'd be number one. I mean, again, that's only has to do with the the top famous names that fanatics have for jerseys. But um, I think that was the, the bigger narrative is a lot of those people who bought the jersey were probably the people we talked about where he'll help them and he'll never meet them and he'll never who they never know who they are. There, there, there is probably a dad somewhere who literally just went, okay, we we may not be Raiders fans, but because of what he did, because of my my son or my yeah. daughter, yeah. we just became Carl Nassib fans. Yeah, yeah, Carl Nassib. You can buy it on Fanatic still. They oh, have sure. all the sizes. How much though? So, uh, hundred and twenty bucks. Less than I thought. I thought those things went for a lot more. That's again. This, this is like the uh, the whatever the not. Authentic, whatever oh. the hell they call it. What it, I can't remember the phrases. Like the Golden Knight, you can buy two Golden Knights jerseys. One is like the authentic. This is what they wear on the ice, and it's like three fifty. And one is like, oh, this is the Fanatics brand version. It's like one fifty. You know what I learned this week also, which I didn't know. There are certain levels of championship rings. Like if the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup final, the players, the coaches, I'm sure you know the. The vice president falling off chairs and the GM of COVID. <laughs> um, I assume they would have. We're not getting a Golden Knights guest. Thank exactly. you, Ed. Uh, I assume that uh, they will have the good rings, but the next level of people, I was told, get the secondary ring. It probably kind of looks the same. Like I was surprised at that. I'm like, really? And these these people like work for the organization. They get paid by their daily basis. Like, no, no, no. I'll get a ring, but it'll probably be the secondary version. I'm like, there's a secondary version. I thought that was weird. So, like, there's like less. Diamonds I don't know. I mean, is it's, it less it, diamonds? Is it less? I don't know what cubic zirconium yeah, instead of actual Essentially, it was inferred that they cost less, obviously, oh. but that just kind of surprised me. And now, look, I don't know if every team does that or if this is just the Knights if they win it. But this person already knew because they probably already said, "Hey, if they win it, who gets rings?" I mean, sure, I'm sure everyone who works for him wants to know. Uh, but someone told him, "Well, you know, after you get." past this level, it's the secondary ring. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. I had no clue. Okay, question. Do you know, like, so they have different tiers of these rings, apparently. Yeah. They cost different, different amounts, amounts of, money. of money. Is it like, if you're, n- if you're not the GM, head coach, or a player, you have to get the second tier, or you can get the first tier, it just costs a I whole don't lot know of that. money? I don't know that. I don't know that. I do know that it's the, a certain level stopped where you get the name on the cup. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, I do space, know, so. I do know that, um, and it's a pretty. After you get past player coaches, top level management, it's not many other names going. Which again, no. I, I get yeah. that completely. Well, ha- there's there's requirements for players and how many games they play to be on the cup. Okay, like oh, I was I, I, I was that. hoping Tatar could get on because he's I mean, technically on the payroll. Is Suzuki? Is he gonna get on the cup? Suzuki will be on the cup if the um, Indians win. Because like a couple so of years Glass ago, wouldn't be on it. Uh, he, I don't know. What, might, I don't know how many names. It's not a number. big number. It's oh, only God. like ten regular. Oh, well, they need. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That you yeah, can I would get be, your name on. If I were Derek Eaglet, I'd be so mad. <laughs> yeah. If Glass gets on there and it's like I coached the team. <laughs> yes. Well, no, because I was mad uh, two years ago when Jake Bischoff finally played. He didn't play enough games to qualify to get on the Stanley Cup. Had they won the had Stanley they won Cup it? that year, so that would annoy me. Uh, I, I thought the ring thing was interesting. I had it no is. clue. I had no clue about that. I'm like, I just thought, I mean, and maybe look, I, maybe they just end up buying everyone the same ring. We're going way above this because they could be out tomorrow night. But I thought it was even interesting. <laughs> I thought it was even interesting. These are very wealthy franchises that right. they'd want to get everyone. Hey, you know, we won the Stanley Cup. I mean, the cost does not a matter here. Maybe that'll the way it ends up. But this person knew enough 
to where there's a secondary one. I have heard two ring stories that have always fascinated me. The first one is that the second time the Marlins won the World Series by accident, they basically told everyone, if you fill out this form and give us $600, you can also get a ring. They basically like, yeah. told, but they like only gave them to players, and that was it. That, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I also think that there would be people uh, who would pay for a ring that would oh, be like, didn't work ring? for the team? The ticket sales guy. Huh? That didn't work for the team or that did work for the team? I know that's very is if, a I, wor- if I worked for the team, I'm buying a ring. If, it, if there's a balance there, if I, it, well, <laughs> fair point. If, if I worked for the team, and and they won. I'm buying a ring. Yeah, if you, but you're if you, my, you also might show up to a bar and be like, yeah, utility infielder for the. <laughs> if my check was signed by the team, I'd want a ring. Yes, absolutely. If, if it was black, what's it? Black Knight Sports, whatever his company is, and that's who signed my check, then I have no problem taking one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Taking one, but would well, you no, give I, him... no, I'd buy one if, okay. if, like, I was at, like you said, at a position where I didn't even get the secondary one, but they said, like, Jared today, if you want one, it costs as much. I'd buy one if I worked for the team. Now, they let it out to everybody. It might be some people well, trying to check, so it'll be a little weird. Like, he, you got a ring? All right. So the other, the other ring story that has always fascinated me: John Lynch, before he became a general manager, became a was a uh, color commentator yeah. for Fox, and he did like the first game and some like. Senior executive for Fox called him and went, you won a Super Bowl, right? And he went, yes, sir, I did. And he went, yeah, if you ever appear on my network again without wearing a Super Bowl (laughs) ring, you will no longer be appearing on my network. (laughs) And he was like, but it's so heavy. Well, so I can't wait for Darren Ballard for Milsey to be on the the ring to be on the broadcast and just have this massive diamond on his head. That's a great point, especially on Fox, because Aikman wears his ring every week. One of them. Yeah, he, he Aikman has a ring. One of one of them, he's worn multiple. He has a ring. Jimmy Johnson has his ring on every week. Any guys on that set have their rings on. If you don't know, they are literally because Jimmy Johnson will put his hand up to make a point. I'm like, geez, look at that ring. I'm like, that's not the. I mean, it, they all also, have it on. That that may not even be the Super Bowl ring for Jimmy Johnson. That may just be like Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> I, I was walking South Beach one day and I got a ring. Um, so yeah, it's look. I mean, they have to win it for all of this to make sense. I just thought when you're talking about the NASA jerseys. I just thought there was one ring. I didn't think that they like took stuff away. Yeah, well. And by the way, on the secondary one, like one less diamond. I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, would, what I wonder what the cost. Like Mark Stone's making nine point five million. He can afford whatever ring they sell. Right. You're making fifty five thousand dollars working right. in ticket sales or something. Yeah. Maybe you can't. You can't afford that expensive. <laughs> You're looking for the fourth tier of ring. <laughs> Who? Okay. This this may be a dated reference. Where's the plastic? One? Where's the like? But do they get like a what is it? Jolston's? Do they get like the catalog for classroom? <laughs> the clip for the high school rings. You can pick out like your color, what you want on your ring. That'd be great. Listen, we need that back. Everyone order by today. We got to send that pro uh, that uh, brochure back. Right. Uh, Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. How are you, Jason? I'm doing spectacular. How y'all doing? We're good. Um, all right, so this week we've been giving away tickets to two different artists, Jason Aldean and Brad Paisley, and you're a great guest because I can normally just say someone's name and you have a story about them. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. Two great and two great uh, concerts to go see. We, uh, I, I've spent a couple of years of my life solid on tour uh, with Brad, 
on different organizations. And uh, I will tell you, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody work harder to put on a great show. But I, uh, and it's funny, there was a time when his back was bad and he was getting injections and they'd have to help him off the stage afterwards. But you could never tell on stage. But my favorite Brad Paisley story is that at one point it was Scotty McCreary, uh, the Bam Perry, and Brad Paisley out on tour together. Scotty has just won American Idol. We just had a number one at that time. And it was a, I mean, it was a killer tour. The places were packed. But at the end of every one of his shows, they come out for the last song, and it's a song called Alcohol. It's a famous Paisley song. And every person that performed during the course of that has to come out on stage together. And there's like a bar they bring out, and there's like a mascot version of Brad, and everybody comes out and has a drink. And what's funny about that tour is a lot of people didn't realize Scotty was obviously underage at that point, and so nobody in his organization was allowed to drink during or after shows. We had a dry tour at that point, too. We had so many young fans that the band didn't want any of us running around being idiots, and Brad doesn't let his band drink during shows. So we would all come out on stage for the song Alcohol, and we would raise our little shot glasses, but what nobody knew is that it was lemonade in the shot glasses. Wow. There was no alcohol during <laughs> alcohol. So, you know, that is still the, the great lie is the song Alcohol involved none of that. Um, and I will say for Jason... A absolute like you want to talk about an eighties rock show, that's what Jason puts on. So I had nothing nothing but love for Jason, but alcohol will always stick out in my my mind for Brad. Can I can I ask you, did you say it was Jason who couldn't like had to be helped off stage? No, it was Brad. It was Brad, Brad had to be helped off stage, yeah. What? Like <laughs> he was performing like a set for fans every night and could like had to be helped off stage because his back was hurting? Yeah. His back was so bad, they were giving him injections, and it would take two people to help him up and down the stairs to get up on, on the stage, and you would never know. Like, the minute he got up on stage, he put on a masterful show. Like, Brad, Brad's one of those guys, like, laser-focused, plays his tail off, and, you know, his the way he looked at it is, you bought tickets, he's not going to bail on a show just because his back's bothering him. So, yeah, absolutely, like, I mean, gut, just a gutsy performer. People don't realize the, the toll, like, the, the touring life can take on a lot of bodies. And so it was really, it was damaging Brad at the time. I'll tell you what, if it's taking this toll and he's not even drinking, imagine if he was, <laughs> my God, stretch would oh, have to yeah. come I out mean, every week. Oh. You no, know, you can't, you can't keep Brad Paisley scheduled all these years and be drinking as much. Like and this is the dirty secret of country music. Like most of the time, the red solo cup doesn't have as much alcohol in it as people think, wow. if any, in some tours. So, you know, it's like, you can't do, 300 days on the road and be as smashed as people think to play shelters every night. Uh, <laughs> speaking of smashed, because people might be getting this if uh, pitchers are checked uh, during innings. So what are you making of the first two days of people taking their clothes off uh, and getting pissed off? And Scherzer almost getting in fight with Girardi about this whole checking the pitchers every bit of them. Look, I mean, I understand wanting to be angry about it, but the, the, the thing that I keep dying on here is that the rule of not being able to use any foreign substance to doctor basketball is over 100 years old. So people keep saying they changed the rules. They didn't change the rules. They just started enforcing the rules, right? So if everyone's going to freak out, then, then why? I mean, ultimately, my biggest fear was they were going to slow the game down constantly by doing it. And I think they've done a pretty nice job of, you know, checking them afterwards. And if they're checking and rechecking and checking, I know that can be frustrating for people. But ultimately, if it gets things on track, I don't think it's that big a deal. I, I'm stunned to see the way... These athletes are reacting like it's just like somebody called their mom fat in the process of just trying to make sure that, like, hey, they're doing the right things along the right way. Have you ever seen so many athletes tell on themselves for cheating? Oh, my God. Like, there's, there's a moment here where I feel like I'm watching. What I really want at the World Series 
is Maury Povich to have his own like thing on the side, and then afterwards he can say the lie detector test is determined. That was the lie because the, the number of guys that you just feel like at this point are like, "Hey, I've been doing this forever." It's like, "Oh, that that's that's good. That's that's cute. That's cool." But we're not going to let it happen anymore. So uh, pitchers are going to have to adjust. And you know, I, I don't. I think at, at this point, the woe is me coming out from pitchers is almost as bad is the way NBA players react after every single whistle in every single game. Paul George reacts after missing two free throws, and then they lose the game. Um, oh. Oh, what did you, uh, transitioning as we only in the press box, but what did you think of Carl Nassib? Uh, look, I think that this is incredible, obviously, for representation, and it takes a tremendous amount of strength and courage to admit this truth to anybody, and you know, for, for people that have tweeted me and said, well, like, why is this a big deal? I don't care. Cool. If you don't care, then just stay silent and sit back and let the people that do care find their representation. Because I've told this story a bunch, but, you know, for me, I'm not a big superhero movie person, which makes me a bad Disney employee. Like, I don't really care about the Marvel series. <laughs> and I was sitting a couple of years ago next to L. Duncan one day, and I said, I just don't get the, the hype over Black Panther. Like, how is it really any different than Iron Man? And she looked at me and she said, because... I've never had a superhero in a movie that looked like me. And I can tell my kid, hey, look at that. Like, as a mom, I can tell my kid, look at this. Here's a superhero that looks like you. And there's some representation that comes with that that gives people strength and confidence. And right now, if you're a high school football player somewhere that's struggling with your sexuality, trying to figure out how you can be the truest person of yourself and not and, and feeling like at some point you've got to give up on your dreams because you can't be yourself. Carl Nassib just told the entire world, hey, yeah, you can. And so at this point, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from the fact that he had a disappointing season last year and that his road to make an impact on this team is a difficult one. In fact, I I think, you know, he's got to do some work just to make the roster the way we all expect him to be. So, you know, realistically, though, when he takes that first snap, it's another historic moment for a franchise that has just absolutely got a ton of these moments. Like the Raiders have always said they don't care where you're from, what you look like, what your gender is, what your race is, and the organization proving that that must be part of the culture behind the scenes still to this day if people feel comfortable being themselves to this level. We have seen a lot of players in the NFL come out in support of Carl Nassib. I'm curious, like, do you think we'll see anything publicly of anybody like going against Carl Nassib? No, I don't think we'll see anything publicly. Now, I, I do think that you know, when they're in the heat of battle, are people are going to be as nice on the field as they've been off the field about this? I mean, I don't know, and only Carl will know that. So I feel like, you know, there's – I'm not going to say that, like, oh, this has all gone over perfectly, but it does seem so far like it has. And I think it speaks, by the way, to the fact that football players, in many instances, are far more socially evolved than the, the fans are. Like, it's funny how often <laughs> I hear fans telling me, like, oh, the locker room will never – every single former player I've talked to, every single one in the last 48 hours is stressed. Like, yeah, we know that you, – you, you know that there are gay guys in your locker room, and you don't care. Like, you just don't care. You want people to be comfortable. It's not about the locker room. It's about this Carl want to go out to dinner and not feel like he has to hide who he is when he does it. So – you know, yeah, I think fans need to stop with the all oh, locker room talk, like because it, it, it's not real. Like, well, be, fans are Neanderthals, players are not. Do you think the league is as inclusive as they're trying to make themselves out to be the last forty-eight hours? Oh heck, no! I mean, if the league was as inclusive as they're trying to make themselves be, then they would have already had programs and systems in place to help players that want to find a path to coming out. They would have had 
put systems in place to help players talk to people along the way. They just they don't, right? So, you know, I, I keep looking at this with the NFL saying it's really cool that they put out flowery, really nice messages about how great everything is and how supportive they are. Uh, but that's super easy to do when somebody's taking the pressure off the league by being the first. And, you know, I, and for the, that's the other part of the significance. We just can't bury here. Whenever you're the first of anything, I don't care if it's the first, you know, openly gay player that's active on an NFL roster or if it's the first, you know, transgender athlete that's trying to, to make their, their waves in their particular sport. Like, when you are the first of anything, there is a, a moment of history behind it. So the NFL has taken that moment of history and, they're making sure they latch their brand to it in a way that makes it seem like they're far more progressive than they've ever proven themselves to be in the past. If Brad Paisley was performing through a broken back or something, what's the worst injury that you've ever had, but you still went on stage and performed? Okay, so I'm not, I'm not even, no exaggeration. We used to do, uh, we opened with a song called Better, Better Dick 2 for a while. And uh, it was a big hit for the band. And we had these big drum kits that were put out, like these huge drums on stage. And we opened the show by everybody like playing this big drum pattern before we started the song. And so I came out on the first, the very first, I was amped up. I was really psyched. I don't remember why for that show. But I grabbed my drumstick and I came down hard. And I hit the rim of the drum with my knuckle. And it busted my finger open to the point that you could see the bone on the very first moment of the very first show. And at that point, once my knuckle was busted wide open, I couldn't do anything about it, and I still had to play. So my finger was bleeding everywhere. I had blood all over my keyboard, blood all over my fiddle, but I still had to go out and play. I still had to figure out a way to get it done. So that's the closest thing I've had to any. But when you play the violin and your finger is absolutely open every time you bend it, it is not the most pleasant experience. I won't, I, won't, I had to go to the hospital afterwards, get a bunch of stitches. Well, weird, weird question. Which hand? Because I'm watching you play the fiddle right now. Uh, yeah, no, it was my left hand, so it was my, my important hand. That's so, the, you know, that appears to be the important hand. Right? The other one, you just kind of move, you know, you move the bow up and down. Okay. But the, the left hand appears to be very important. But I, and I will tell you a Vegas story. When I was a, when I was a kid at Vegas Verdes Elementary School, I, uh, in, I think it was third grade, second grade, um, we, were, we were in line for recess, and uh, we, we had been too loud in line, and so the teacher made us go back to our seats, and because I was a you know, frumpy, fat kid that wasn't very athletic, the kid behind me ran faster than I did, and he accidentally pushed me, and I tripped, and I went face first into the chalkboard. And this is the '80s when those things were made of metal, so it actually like it, it, I hit my nose on the chalkboard, and it you know removed a portion of my nose, oh, my wow. face, bro. I was like hanging off, and uh, I had to go, you know, I had to go to the ER, had to get stitches, and when they stitched my nose back on, I had a uh, I had a recital that uh, that night that I had to play uh, as, a, as a little violin kid. I don't remember the recital, but I remember. My mom and dad sitting there with me, and they're like, "Well, you're stitched up. There's no reason you can't play." So, you know, I went as a kid and still, uh, still played that night. So, you know, toughness is in musicians. People just don't realize. <laughs> well, the, the parents really pushed you into this. Broken yeah, well, nose, parents, nose hanging off. Never, get out there and play. Yeah, look, the parents never pushed me into anything, <laughs> but my parents were big on this. Like, if you make an obligation, you are going to fulfill that obligation. <laughs> you say you're going to do it, you darn well better do it, and you darn well better do it at your best level. Jeez. So. Yeah. Whether you have a nose or not. Your nose or not, you're getting out there and playing. <laughs> you know what? Like uh, my mom, my mom was always the one who was like, "Look, sitting at home is not going to make you feel any better. So you might as well do what you're supposed to do." Six <laughs> days didn't exist when I was a kid. There's no like, there was no, no, no way, no way. 
Well, he is Jason Fitz. Uh, I guess it's a minor miracle you're actually still here. Uh, thanks, Jason. We appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Jason. You guys have a great week. There you go. You too. Oh, wow. Get Nose hanging off. Get out there and play. Jesus. Apparently, Josh Jacobs isn't the only one performing on, like, Toradol most of the time. Like, what are we? Every musician. Tell you yeah, what, like... the uh, Paisley, if I'm going to that concert and he holds up a glass, I'm screaming out for, hey, we know that. We know what that is, lemonade. <laughs> Don't ruin the illusion <laughs> for other people. <laughs> All right. We need a new sharp. <gasps> no! Our sharp lost no! yesterday. Yeah, he lost. Uh, he Minus went... 14 and a half favorite. The Seattle Storm lost to the Washington Mystics. I take back what I said about why are we not making this guy go with the points? Are you serious? I'm serious. We wow. need a new sharp. So, all right. We have an Antonio Brown jersey to give away, but you've got to get nine days in a row right. So 702-364-1100 is the number if you want to be our sharp. Just pick any game that's happening today. We're just letting you pick a winner. You don't have to worry about the point spread or anything. Just whatever your pick is for today. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you would like to be our new sharp. Again, there's an Antonio Brown jersey you can win. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right. Josh lost because the Storm lost his 14.5-point favorites yesterday. So his streak ended at three. You got to get to nine to win the Antonio Brown jersey. Derek is our new sharp. Derek, where would you like to go with your pick today? Hey, good morning. Am I allowed to pick a soccer game from Copa America? You absolutely are allowed to pick a soccer game, as long as it's oh, today. Right. Absolutely. going to represent the Peruanos, and I'm going to go Peru over Ecuador. All right. Two o'clock today, Peru and Ecuador. So we've got you in for Peru. If they win, we'll be talking to you again tomorrow, Derek. So good luck. Absolutely. Thanks, Derek. Thank All right. Soccer. That's probably the safest bet, but again, we've had soccer go very wrong for people as well. Well, it's also, again, there's a third outcome. It's the only sport you can bet on where there's a third outcome. I cannot wait until we're doing this during the Olympics and someone's like, I'll take Japan to place. (laughs) This will be good. This will be good um, during the Olympics in terms of are we going to say, yeah, I guess. Okay, what if someone says I'll take Jimmy to get the bronze medal, but he wins the gold? Like, is that a real Well, like Jared that? said, you to take him to place, win, play, show, or something like uh, that. We'll just, we, we, so and so will medal. At some point, oh, at man. some point, we're going to oh. have to like start letting people pick horse racing. That's going to be, that's going to be you easy. Keep saying no. this. Yeah. Josh no. lost was a 14 and a I'm, half point favorite. I'm going to give you a little hint out there. Whoever's the sharp during the Olympics, say that each night the uh, Americans will win a go, uh, will win a medal in swimming. And you will win for 15 straight wait, days. Wait, are you saying that a country that has the most access to swimming <laughs> yes, pools exactly. in the might history win a medal, of yes. the world yes. might be good at yeah, swimming? Exactly. You keep saying that, and then some random relay, they're going to finish fourth no. because of a fault <laughs> no. or whatever. They're going to lose. You keep oh, saying dude, it. The, the poor 15-year-old. <laughs> no. We might even get someone say, I believe the U.S. will win a spot from the prelims in the morning. It's like, okay, say that every day. That's fine. Listen, just walk in here and tell us Simone Biles is going to do well. And we might might give you an Antonio Brown jersey. Simone Biles will be seen on the mat. Oh, you win again. (laughs) We might give you an Antonio Brown jersey. We might. Listen, it's been hard enough as it is. How long have we been doing this? It's ridiculous. Nobody can get to nine. Nobody can. We've been having somebody do this every day for, we're almost at a year now. And nobody can get to nine. It's ridiculous. All right. I do need to complain a little bit. What else would I do on this show? 
Um, first off, Lights FC had a player named to the USL Team of the Week for the first time this season, Christian Torres. He scored two goals in their win on Wednesday over LA Galaxy. Didn't score. They won. Loss. Yeah, didn't score uh, in their loss on uh, Saturday, but scored in their win. He got named to USL Team of the League, uh, Week. But I am a voter for the <laughs> USL Player of the Week. And I am very upset with my fellow voters in the USL Player of the Week because this past week, a guy named Cameron Lancaster won USL Player of the Week. He plays for Louisville. He scored three goals in two games. Louisville won both their games. Great week for him. But the winner should have been the guy that I voted for, Mark Segbers from Memphis 901 because Mark Segbers is a right back. But he should have been Player of the Week, not for what he did at right back, but because Memphis up a goal. Had their goalie injured in the 90th minute. They couldn't make any more substitutions. So Mark Segbers, the right back, throws on a different jersey and goes and plays goal in stoppage time and makes a save with a guy shooting two feet away from it. Point blank save to secure the one goal win for Memphis 901. This guy, a right back, they threw on a goalie's jersey and he made a save to win the game for his team. And these bums that vote on USL Player of the Week didn't pick that guy. It's like U10 soccer. Who's the goalie today? Right. Oh, you, put, you put on the pink jersey in right. practice. And he I made mean, a save to win the game. I, I mean, that would be like, all right, uh, Flurry and Leonard are out. Martinez! Exactly. Yes, Martinez! You block a lot of shots. <laughs> just, Maybe he should be the goalie, by the way. Just lay down yeah. in front of the we, goal. We never thought of this. Like, why is it Logan Thompson? It should be Alec Martinez with as many shots as he blocks. He might be the best goalie they've got right now. Alec, use your face! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, on the Golden Knights, do they need to read more mean tweets? Do they need to read like, more? It worked for Robin Leonard. Does Robin Leonard just need to get up at the front of the plane while they're flying yes. to Montreal and just start reading? Mark Stone, this yeah. is why you suck. Yes. Just start reading Let's get him tweets fired. Let's everybody. get him fired up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Coach DeBoer, this is from Alan Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just Leonard riding his own bus two hours early, the whole team needs to get on Leonard's bus and go to the rink early. When you think about it, he's really the only one who's spoken out in terms of his desire to read that stuff. Well, that's the best part of it. I don't know. Every other play, every other member of this organization will just refer to as an outside noise. Every single, even if like, I don't know which one, let's say Alex Tuck just endlessly scrolls through Twitter, press conference, he'll say, oh, it's just outside noise. We don't pay attention to it. Right. Except Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard's like, yeah, bleep you. I read it. Robin Leonard says, I do it for two hours. Never mind outside hours. noise. He goes, I'm doing you. it for two hours. Yeah. And that, they apparently need more of that. Like, we need Mark Stone after he scores a hat trick to be like, yep, sat down and read a whole bunch of tweets from you guys. Yeah. You guys bleep you. Yeah, ripped me. We can end it like Robin Leonard. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I just, I all I want is him to do the uh, Tyler, you're a weasel and bleep. <laughs> Oh, can we get oh, Gold Knights eliminated and Justin Emerson ask a question where he just forgets how to talk? Well, uh, you go, uh, uh, will Mark Stone pick him up there after they've been no, eliminated? No, Mark Stone won't. Will Mark Stone be available? 